Gifts we bring, Welcome to the show. This is Pagan Spirituality Today, episode number 18, Yule 2009. Today's date is December the 19th. It's a Saturday. Sunrise today was at 7.58 a.m. Sunset at 4.28 p.m. It is foggy and raining. A high of 46 the actual solstice will take place on Monday, December the 21st at 9.47 a.m. Pacific Time. I have with me today Oni. Hello everyone and happy holidays. We're going to talk to you about a number of different things, get into some Yule Time stories, a little bit of stuff from our own past, and talk a little bit about what we do currently for Yule. This is also the one-year anniversary of my show, the month of December, so I have a lot of people to thank for that, and I want to talk about that. So let's get started with Yule itself. We've got the book, The Troth, Volume 2, Living the Troth, open, and I'm going to have Oni read just a little passage about Yule for you. All right, here we go. Yule is not a single holiday, but a season. In the Shetland Islands, which retain a great deal of Norse culture, the whole month was filled with celebration, beginning with the release of the trolls from the underground, 
seven days before Yule night and lasting through 24th night, which is January 6th, when they were banished once more. However, in most Germanic countries, the more traditional Yule season is 13 nights long. These 13 nights are the space between one year and another, the border where the worlds overlap. All that happens between the first sunset and the last dawn of Yule is mightier than at any other time of the year. We don't follow exactly a Norse interpretation of Yule. We are doing our own thing, but we agree that in general, Yule is the new year as the sun is reborn. We agree that Yule is a season and not a day. So the Yule that we're going to talk about from our past took place in 1999. We were living in Ohio then. And we had met a number of people over the course of that year. Most of them were new friends. We hadn't known them very long. No, and I think most of them were from the Grove there, the ADF Grove. Right, yes, I think that's how we met them, was through ADF Proto Grove or something that was forming or relatively new. And we had been members for a little while. And I think there were eight of us in total. A man who was a longtime friend to us had come to visit, but nearly everyone else was a relatively new friend. Yes. And we did it at my brother's girlfriend's house. Now, my brother lived in New Jersey still, but was dating this woman who lived in Ohio. And we did a full costume Yule, which I say every ritual I tell you about was unusual, but that's part of the reason why these rituals stick in my mind, because we did things in them that were unusual. And by the way, we've posted some pictures on my Facebook account from this 1999 Yule, so you'll be able to see the altar and the setup and whatnot. And let's see, we also, well, moved part of the ki our kitchen over there. Right. For the feasting. Right. We bought a live tree. The only Yule we've ever had an indoor tree, live or fake. And it wasn't a cut down tree. It still had its root ball so it could be planted. Right. And we had bought German style candle holder ornaments for the tree at a brass shop in Virginia years before and had never used them. This was the one Yule we ever actually used them. We lit candles on the tree for ornamentation. You'll get to see a picture of that. And we also had, what was it? There was a fireplace the in fireplace that room. Although lit. it was gas fireplace, there was a fireplace. Only ritual we've ever had a fireplace. And we had the very pretty shorter brass candle holders to mark the... Right, for the quarters. quarters. We did eight directions that year, if I remember correctly. Yes. So we had eight candles on the floor. This house, we lived in a house at the time, but our house was gutted and beat up. It was a very old house, an extreme fixer-upper. Nothing about it was, was really nice looking. And this lady had a nice house, hardwood floor, very clean. So we emptied an entire room. I think it was her dining room and took it over for the ritual. No, the dining room was where we had the feast afterwards. So it this must have been the living room. living room. All the furniture got 
Right, taken out. We moved everything out or pushed it back. We took over quite a large room. We went outside for the beginning of the ritual and processed in the door. And there was some liturgy that was said as we came in, something like merry folk come in from the cold, take refuge, that sort of stuff. And it was quite cold that night because I remember thinking, we aren't even out here for that long. And, <laughs> and most everyone's ritual garb was kind of heavy, you know, woolen fabric, several layers. It must have been 10 degrees out. It was wicked cold. And there had been snow earlier in the week, so there was snow on the ground. So it's freezing cold, there's snow on the ground, and we're all standing outside waiting for people to settle down before we went in. Right, because we went outside and there was sort of a lining up that we had done or something. I swear it couldn't have been two minutes that we were outside, but it seemed awful cold. We really were thankful to get inside by the time the ritual started. And then we processed in and began with the ritual, and part of the ritual was we each had a candle and we went over and lit a candle on the tree for our our blessing for the coming year. Right, that was our... Uh, our boon. Our boon, yeah, our wheel. Our good luck for the year was lighting one of the candles. And we also had small presents. Right, like a gift exchange a thing. Yeah, oh, that's right. Frau the, the, Holda had a basket of little presents picked out. Were they individually for each person named, or was it all essentially the same thing? I think it was little cookies for everyone. Right, okay. But Frau Holda went around with her little basket and a little assistant and gave everyone a whack for their troubles so that it would wane and a little present so that good fortune would increase. And it was really nice because we had, we were sharing this tradition with new people, new friends who right. usually do a more Celtic or Wiccan thing. Yes, most of them were very Celtic influenced. Norse was a, was a very new thing for them. And then after we were done with the ritual, we went to the dining room and we had a turkey. and a Huge a, feast. A ham, and I had made little individual loaves of bread, and there was... Right, a loaf for everyone kind of thing. And didn't you <laughs> scrape the little cross in them so they were like cross buns? No, I don't think I did that that year. No, must have been another year. But we had food for 20 for the eight people that were there. It was outrageous. And there was, what, mashed sweet potatoes and regular potatoes. potatoes. And wine and Several bottles vegetables. of wine and beer and vegetables. And it was crazy. We all ate until we were high on food. And the, and the good company and conversation. It was one of the prettiest nicest rituals I've ever been at. Something like you'd see in a movie. Everyone had beautiful costumes or rough-hewn costume if that's what they wanted and everything was just so and it was just nice and we didn't turn the heat on in the house so it was a little cool in the house to give that sense. I think we cracked a window or something Yes. to did. make that separation between inside and outside. We took the atmosphere very seriously, and it, that ritual has stuck with me, although not in a detailed sense. The feeling, the, the atmosphere. It was, dare I say, magical. Oh, no. <laughs> no, really, it was fabulous. It was. Um, anything else you wanted to add about 1999? Not that I can really think of, other than I can't believe it was that long I ago. I know. Ten years ago, this year that ritual. So let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing. Last year, 
I told you that we do a 12 days of Yule thing here in our house. It is a work in progress, absolutely. We are on the fourth day of our Yule celebration today. I'm going to go through what we do on each one of these days. I didn't say last year, but I'm going to give you a quick rundown. The first day is Mother's Night, where you honor motherhood and womanhood, domestic work, all that kind of thing. Second day is Day of the Child, or Baldur's Day. It's about innocence and youth and a lot of fun and frivolity. The third day is the Wild Hunt Day. This is a mother's birth death cycle the first three days. The Wild Hunt Odin rides through the sky with the souls of those departed and there's a lot of myths about him dragging anybody that sees him along with him. I don't see that Day of the Wild Hunt in that way. I would say we don't. No, but it does seem like a more chaotic night, like more wild magic. Absolutely. It's definitely wild. More, it just isn't evil the way it gets right, portrayed. Right, it's more of like uncertainty or chaos, something along There are actually lines. shamanic concepts within Norse culture that talk about you might want to take a ride with the wild hunt because you will learn things about life and death that you wouldn't know. But it's also seen as a very dangerous thing to do. Today, the fourth day, is Remembrance Day. It's a day dedicated to the ancestors. And in particular, if someone you loved has died this year, this would be their special day. You'd have food prepared for them, special pictures, or this whole night is dedicated to someone you cared about who passed on. And if you don't know someone, fortunately we don't. No one we loved died this year. So it's reserved for all the ancestors. The following day is Banishing Night. This is a waxing magic day or a waxing day period, an evening. I'm sorry, it's waning. I'm saying waxing, I mean waning. Thank you. This is you're getting things out of your life. You're getting things out of your way. We are about to cross over to the new year on the solstice the following day. This is time to let those things go, those people, those relationships go, and move on to something new. Then comes the solstice, which we celebrate in our own particular way, but you all know it's Return of the Sun. The day after the solstice is what we call Day of Becoming. It is the true waxing day. This is forming new tools. This is making a set of runes. This is asking for change in your life to begin. Rituals around that sort of stuff. Following day we do divination, if any is necessary, to find out about the projects for the year, the scope of the year, where are things going. The next day is something that we do, it's called Three Gods Day. It's, it's completely specific to us, there's sort of an esoteric truth to it. We worship Odin, Thor, and Tyr together. Because in the beginning of the questioning of Gilfi, which is one of the sagas, the three gods are named as high, just as high, and third. There's a esoteric reason as to why we do that, but it, it's something I do. After that comes Blessing Day. It's time to bless your new tools. Make holy water. Bless your house. You got new kids, if they've been born in the relatively near future during the course of this year. Bless them again in the new year. 
and it's always good to like think about when you're doing blessings asking for say like wisdom and joy and good health and prosperity you know absolutely all, all the good things in life enumerate what you want next is cleaning day literally clean the house clean your objects clean yourselves clean your altars and on day seven you rest you sleep a lot you take time out to chill it's part of our ceremony specifically i mean you could have a rest day after the 12th night but we feel like there needs to be a religious sense to that rest after 12 days of activity i think of it as like a contemplation of the things that we've experienced throughout the year throughout the past week or so and just kind of a taking stock of things i agree and because to us and to Norse folks, the uh, solstice is the actual new year. You know, for me, it is new year. I want to feel that sense between the ending of one and the beginning of another. And that day of rest helps me put last year into perspective and this year into perspective. It helps me take this season of Yule and digest it all and now turn and look forward. And what's coming? What am I doing? What is it I need to accomplish or be in this new year? I think for me it's also um, a take when I'm taking stock, it's a matter of what are the things that I want to work on in the new year? What are some things that I want to discard that I've that have not been helpful in my life? I agree. As I said, it's a work in progress. We do not necessarily worship every day of the 12 each year. Sometimes we don't have things that we need to do on one of those days. We have not had a tree other than that one 1999 celebration. We cut what is called a Yule log. It's a large circumference log, maybe a foot and a half, two feet long. And you drill holes into it in a line, like a menorah essentially, and you slide some candles down in there, one for each of the 12 days. There will be pictures of this on the Facebook page so you can get a look at what I'm talking about. We set up a space for the ancestors on that altar. We put the gods of winter as we worship them on the altar. We've also got the candle for the ancestors that we have burning too. Right, and that burns throughout the whole 12 days. We will just keep that going. If you haven't figured out in this first year of my show, there is always a space for ancestors in everything we do. Even if they didn't have their own day, they're always present. They're always with us at what we're doing. And we also have greenery. Mm-hmm that was gathered at one of the local graveyards. Right, stuff that had fallen down and we just clipped off little bits of evergreen and they're all around the Yule log and on the table and there's some altar cloths on there. Take a look at the pictures. I think you'll get a really good idea of what we're doing and how things look. That's not an uncommon altar for us. It's a little nicer this year than it's been recently. Yeah, usually we don't have it set up on the kitchen table. Usually we have it on a on a separate table. Well, the last but two still, years we have done the kitchen table, yeah. but it, prior to that it was always in the altar room or in a corner somewhere. I think, yeah, you're right. For 
some reason, I always think of it being like up in the altar room. It had been for a long, long time, but I feel like the kitchen table, as we're living now, is better because it's right there with you all the time. It's not off in a separate room. At least it brings my mind around to it more. Yes. It makes me more conscious of it. And I think, and this is to go back to talking about having the Yule log there, is more traditionally the Yule log would be gathered and then burned and then a new one would be. Right, and there's or, something to do with the ashes of the old one going into the first lighting of the fire on the day after the solstice the next year. It's like you are taking it and restarting the sun with the remnants of your last one. But we're keeping the same log. We've had the same log for three years now. And unless it starts looking rough or falls apart, I think we're going to continue on down the line. I like it, and it may look a little rednecky. <laughs> it does look a little bit rednecky. You'll see in the picture, but like we it. like it. I like it a lot. So is there anything else about this Yule or Yules gone by that you wanted to add? Well, I was thinking some about Yules gone by when I was a much smaller and younger person. A tiny, tiny pagan? Yes, a tiny pagan with a penchant for unwrapping packages. <laughs> there was many a Christmas when I snuck out of my bed and proceeded to unwrap every single present underneath the tree. I'm sure your parents <laughs> loved that behavior. I'm pretty sure they did. Didn't you unwrap <laughs> stuff in the cupboards too? I mean, yes. weren't you just an unwrapper in general? Yes, I was. <laughs> there was many a year <laughs> when I would was smaller and I would get into the cupboards in the kitchen and I would unwrap the cans. Pretty much anything that had a package or a wrapper, I would take it out of the package unwrap the cans. Maybe some of you are not quite as old as we are and don't remember life in the 70s. People ate a lot of canned food in the 70s. You might have canned corn next to stew, next to chili, next to... Next to dog food. because we Dog had... food or condensed milk. And you might have no idea what's in those cans after all those wrappers are gone. Yes, I was quite the little unwrapper. It's like you were playing grocery roulette every time you opened a can. Let's yes. see what this is. I remember when I was very young, when my mother was still alive and still at home, we always had this sense that there was something distinctly different about Christmas. And we were not a hugely religious family. Obviously, my mother did go to church, and we did have a sense of the religiousness of it but it wasn't that it wasn't even the presents themselves my dad worked really really hard and he was gone a lot uh through commuting and his regular work day he was gone about 10 hours a day every day and christmas just seemed like a time when my parents paid us more attention and they were present more and we saw them more sometimes relatives would come sometimes we would see them the rest of the year, we were a bit isolated as a family. We didn't have my parents inviting a lot of friends over. There weren't dinner parties, things like that. It felt to me like a season, as 
Oni read in the Troth book, it wasn't a day. It was a time of year, and it went on for weeks, maybe three weeks. Unlike today, where mercantilely, it goes on for three months. Yeah, and it seems like it's starting every year earlier than the last. But the sense of season, that feeling that something is different, and something is better. Maybe in your lives that's not missing, but I notice around me it seems missing everywhere. In the store, at the grocery store, your co-workers, people you meet through work, no one seems into it anymore. I think to some extent that might be because it's been so commercialized and merchandised that Christmas isn't good unless you're getting a lot of presents. Right. And I think some of my best Christmas memories or and Yule memories are ones where it wasn't about the presents. It was going to my great aunt Margaret's and sitting there and having cookies and Shirley Temples. <laughs> Shirley Temple. I loved the Shirley Temple. And she would always put extra cherries in mine because I loved them. My grandmother told me I wasn't allowed to have a Shirley Temple. I had to have a Rob Roy, which is exactly the same, but it has a boy's name on it. <laughs> I would order Shirley Temple in restaurants. This is back in the day when you could do that. You could get a Shirley Temple at the Brown Derby or something, and my grandmother would be so embarrassed. Yeah, and we would visit. We would, I guess, make the rounds of the family houses. Like, we would go to my great-aunt Margaret's one night. The next night, we would go to my grandmother and aunt's house. We'd go and visit them. Um, I remember before... Christmas, like a week or so before, my grandma helping my grandmother make cookies because she would make those um, rum balls, mm -hmm. the ones with the powdered sugar. Oh, those are great! And uh, she'd make these sort of sugar cookies with peppermint in them, and it would be the cookie extravaganza. My dad used to buy these little cookies that were in the shape of a ball with cashews in them. They were like a cashew nougat cookie. And he bought them at the store and you could only get them on the East Coast between Thanksgiving and Christmas and they were so good. And he liked those German ones. The Pfeffernoodles, the Pfeffernutters. Pfeffernoose. Yeah, Pfeffernoose. And they have anise flavor kind yeah, of in a Your brother white... loves those Yes, things. my brother loves them too. I think they're disgusting. But my house would always smell of anise as there'd be an open package of those cookies on the counter. It seemed like all the time. Yeah. But I think it's the it's the small things like that. The doing things and spending time with family. Yeah, I, I do too. Our, our Yules have never been as meaningful when it's just us as when there's six or eight people that in one evening whether you are the best friends all year long but for one evening just focus on each other just focus on that company it always takes ritual to an entirely different level and sometimes ritual isn't even necessary when you just have dinner together or you just spend three hours together it is just as good it is just as big and important and meaningful and it's the things I remember more than anything else. I would agree with that. It's... 
Well, as far as Yule goes, that's all we have to say, except one thing I would like to remind you of. If Yule is a season, and to us it definitely is, and people talk about Yule and Christmas as a time of being generous and friendly and giving, I think that's a bogus assertion, personally. If we can be friendly and generous on one day or for one week, can't we try to be more generous and friendly all the time? Does that sound crazy? Because I don't think it does. And if, if you can think of Yule as a test run for next year, for 2010, you're trying to be your best, most generous self now. Maybe we can try to bring that into, th into 2010 as well. Maybe it doesn't have to be generosity is just one time of the year. I think compassion would be another thing good that goes word. right in there. That's a good word. Take that time to realize that the other people that are walking around, even if they're, they may not be the nicest people, they're still a person. Here's a quote from W.H. Auden that I like very much, and I don't know if I'm paraphrasing or quoting directly. Love your crooked neighbor with your crooked heart. People are often doing the best they can, even when it's not very good. Even when they're really not people you'd like to know. I'm not asking you to be friends with people like that. I'm not asking you to support them. I am asking, when you think there's the option to give someone a break, you're driving down the street or you're standing in line or you're talking on the phone with some horrendously annoying telemarketer, everyone is just getting by. Probably as best as they know how. As awfully as that might be. Try to take that into consideration just a little bit in your response. Because they are people and they're not bits on a movie set. I think that's something that not that many people take into consideration. They're living a real life and they got problems too. So thus ends the preachy part of my Yule. So it's my anniversary. One year this month. I can't believe it, to tell you the truth. I am at over 10,500 total downloads since the show began. It's amazing to me, and I don't know what to say. I really don't. I am so blessed and so pleased and so surprised with the response. I'm going to read the name of every person that has given me an iTunes review as a way of saying thanks. Big Joe 099 was my first review. Foxfire from Pagan Parents in On the Edge. Scarlet from Lakefront Pagan Voice. Duke 1962. Desert Hippie Mom. That's Golden Bird Rising, by the way. <laughs> Equinox Moon. Luna Sira. Dana Ifei and Brooke the iPod Witch have all left me iTunes reviews. I greatly appreciate that. I've never asked you folks to vote for me on Podcast Alley or any of those other things. It doesn't really matter to me what my numbers are there. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you really like the show, write an iTunes review. That's all I ever ask of you. The rest of it is just, it's nice. 
it's great to be remembered, but it's just not that important. Emailers. Now, I've had such good email this year. So many people have written me. I think it's just awesome. Sorry to break in there, but I do. I, I agree. It's great. I agree. And I can't read everyone's name, but I'm going to read some of the people that have had the greatest conversations with me. Early on, there was Kelly, a man from the Tennessee <laughs> Valley who wrote fabulous emails. He was actually the first person to write really moving, significant emails. There's Rob S. from Michigan, who shared a lot of stuff with me. There's Rosalind. Jenny J., who's from somewhere in B.C., up north in Canada, and she's had a lot of interesting things to say. Carol D. from the Bay Area has been a really great emailer. Mike from Bremerton, he lives actually quite close to me, and uh, we've had some nice exchanges. Tim S., an avid listener of PPOTE, emailed me. K. Noom Hotep also lives close to me and has shared a lot. Linda from England. Linda has sent a number of emails, but what I like most about her emails is she always sets the stage where I was, what I was doing, talking back to my iPod as I drive, laughing out loud. Thinking, oh, I want to comment on that, or and then responding. Forgetting when you get home. Linda has really helped us see her experience of the show as something we can relate to, something real. Ginger is another of my favorite emailers. I'll talk about her in a minute. Also Shasta. Brooke the iPod Witch, definitely. Scarlet has sent a bunch of good emails. And Meadow Moon from A Pagan in the Threshold. We've just started emailing each other, and I think there's a lot, a lot of future there. My first commenter on the Podbean site was David from Ravencast. The person who's commented most on Podbean is Mike from Bremerton. Second most is Ginger. Now, some people that we feel like we've actually gotten close to this year, that we never would have met without the podcast. First, first there's Brooke. I mean, we know her from her show, but she also talks about our show. We've emailed back and forth, and we've sent her gifts. And I just think she's the sweetest person ever. We really like Brooke, and we really enjoy our friendship with her, and we think in the spring we're actually probably going to go meet her I if hope, circumstances work out. I hope they do work out, because I would really like to meet Brooke in person. So be looking for that, Brooke, but we've already talked about that. Ginger. Ginger has been, as far as comments and email, one of the most active and appreciative listeners to this show for a long time and I feel really blessed to have her as a listener and a fan. Lastly there is Shasta, our dear friend Shasta from the east up north in Canada. I feel like Shasta's a sister I just didn't know or as I've heard from someone else a sister from another mother. Yeah. Someone that I should have known and did know my whole life and I just didn't realize it. And I think that um, for not knowing her outside of internet and uh, on the podcast, 
really don't know what I want to say other than... Well, we've never met her. We've never heard her voice until recently we hadn't seen a picture of her. Yet, instantly, she emailed in as a listener to the show. And I just started talking to her like I've known her my whole life. And I thought, this seems over the top. I shouldn't really be sharing like this with a complete stranger. And I asked Oni, and she said, no, my intuition says it's okay. Go ahead. We'll send it. And she immediately responded in kind. And it's been like that since day one. And Shasta and we have talked about how we feel connected without any explanation or without any past history. But there doesn't seem to need to be any. And in some ways, it makes me think of the beginnings of our relationships with Evaldi and Golden Bird and Arrowwind and Fox. Right. People that we just clicked with in a way that we could not explain. But it was natural. It was 100% relationship nearly from day one. Yeah, it's really awesome and cool. And I'm going to use the M word again. Magical. Oh, no, not that word. Is that magic with a K or without? I don't know. I guess for creative spelling, we'll go with... C and K. C and K. I was going to say go old school and just go C, but if you got the spare letters, we'll put that K in there. Hey, we could even add an E. We could. Remember, in old England, there was a lot of spare E's. They had to throw them on the end of words. <laughs> Nobody seems to know why. So that's everyone I wanted to thank, and I, except to say that to everyone who's listening, to everyone that shares this with their friends or their family, thanks a lot. I greatly appreciate you making this show as successful as it has been. I would not continue doing it if I felt that no one was interested or learning anything from it. If you haven't emailed, go ahead. If you have something to say, email it on in. We'd love to hear it. Post a comment at Podbean. Do an iTunes review. Let us know how you're liking the show and how it's affecting you if it is. Share something with us. I mean, that's why I'm doing the show. I want to share with you, but I really want you to share with me. And I think it, that it lends more of a sense of community and not continuity, but connected con, connectivity. Sure. We're all out there. We're in different places. We're all living pagan lives in what may seem like entirely separate realities. You know, Fox and Arrowind are way over in Virginia and we're on the other side of the country and Shasta's way up there in Canada. And I know people from Australia listen, people from the UK. I've gotten Sweden, Belgium, Japan, Iraq. And if there are any military listening at all, be safe. Come home. We miss you. There's been people from Germany, France, Italy, Netherlands. Netherlands. I had a Colombia listener a couple of times, one from Belize, although I imagine they're American students studying, but who cares? It showed up on the tracking of where people were. It fascinates me. People across the world listening. I love that we're and I should say you, are able to get out there and talk to other people and share with other people. But I also am fascinated by the people that send in emails 
They're fabulous. They're wonderful. It is great. It, the, it, it's what makes the show worth doing. I like my opinions, obviously. I'm not going to pretend that I don't, okay? I do a podcast. But I know what I think. I am enamored of what you think. I'm enamored by a dialogue that we couldn't have any other way. A meaningful dialogue. Not necessarily posting on a forum a line or two. We're talking, those of you who email. And I so want you to, so want to encourage you to do it more. And again, and new folks who haven't, email us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're doing, what you're experiencing. And I just want to send out thanks again to Brooke and to Foxfire and to Erwin. Because I think their podcasts are great. They're one of the things that I use to make my day go a little bit better. Absolutely. When I'm listening while I'm at work. Also... Erwind and Foxfire were huge fans of my doing this show and have promoted it many times, as has Brooke promoted us, myself and Oni, personally and from the direction of the show. So I want to thank them again oh, and, for that support. And thanks to Scarlett, because she... Right, in her sh- most recent episode, 26 or 27, she's way ahead of me on, on the episode numbers. But she had a comment about my shamanism show, which was very kind, very nice. Thank you, Scarlett. And I really want to thank Golden Bird Rising and Evaldi for appearing on the show and being so supportive and sharing some of their story with us. Thanks a lot, guys, and you'll definitely be hearing more from them in the future. Also, Nicole, someone from the meetup group that I used to be in, found the show on her own and sent me a Facebook message and we talked a little bit about her thoughts concerning the show. I may share that message with you on the next episode, but I don't have it right here now. Just wanted to say thanks to Nicole for finding the show and uh, sharing her thoughts about it with me. One last thing before we leave you. There are at least a dozen listeners between Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington, to this show. I am going to schedule a meet and greet somewhere in Olympia or Tacoma, about midway between those cities. If any of you would like to go, I have two people that are already agreeing to come. Oni and I will both be there. We'll meet in a coffee shop or restaurant, some public venue, for a couple of hours on a Saturday. It's going to have to be a Saturday. It's the only day that we can both be off at the same time. Email me if you have any interest in doing this. What I am thinking at this point is maybe February the 20th, so it's not mixing in with Valentine's Day and not mixing in with the weekend before, which in bulk, right? Uh, February 2? is February 2. If you want to come, if you want to be a part of this, Post a alternate choice if the 20th is not going to work for you. I will put details about that on my Facebook page, and I will talk about it in the next episode of the show. But right now, let's say February 20th, Olympia or Tacoma, Washington, meet and greet with myself and Oni. I'd really like it if you folks would come out. And I think that's all we have for you. I believe that is it. 
Once again, have a blessed, safe, and happy Yule. Be kind to each other. Take care in your relationships. Nurture relationships, be they distant or close family. May your ancestors and the gods bless you with happiness, health, foundation and wisdom, prosperity, prosperity, and all the good things in life. Peace be to all of you. And peace be to all of you, from our family to yours. Happy Yule! Happy Yule! Woo! -hoo!